0: Amen. All right, why don't you grab a seat? It's uh, great, great to be with you this morning. Uh, if you're new here at True North, welcome. My name's Dean. It's great uh, to get to meet you. I'm going to start this morning with a little bit of, of True North family news. We've got some exciting things happening, and so I want to start there. Now, one of them, the first uh, piece of news, uh, you know, if you're someone who's, who's been around True North for a while, it's both exciting on one level and has a twinge of sadness on the other. So just, but I want to let you know, uh, one of our pastors, John Ovose, is going to be taking on a new role at Lake Gwellup Church of Christ. And he is our family's pastor down at Mulloo. So some of you, you may not know him if you haven't been around as long, but many of you know Chano. He's been a part of our, our, our church staff team for about seven odd years now. And uh, a really exciting thing that kind of came up with him being able to go is uh, be a part of, of some fresh things at Lake Gwellup Church Christ down in Scarborough. And church with a great, exciting future uh, ahead of it. And, uh, and so we want to let everybody know, but we're really uh, both sad to, to be losing him from our team. But we also are excited for the wider impact for the kingdom. Our our goal is not just to kind of say we want to just keep people, our goal is to see, uh, you know, the gospel spreading and and thriving churches everywhere. And so we're so excited to see him be a part of something fresh and new there. So just want to let you know that. Uh, And then a couple other pieces of kind of just church family news that are important, and I know you've heard this already, but at the risk of you getting angry at someone at approximately 10 a.m. next week, I just want you to know, I want you to know we got new service times next week. Is that right? <laughs> am I right about that? Yep. Yeah, there we go. So here at Merrill at 9 and 1045 a.m., did anyone accidentally come at 9 or 1045 today? Now, you, you, yeah, that's it. I love the honesty and the bravery, give her, give her a clap, she was here at nine, desiring to be a part of the new things happening, and uh, came early, and we, we love it, and, and so excited for that. Now, someone, we've got a, a minute and 12 seconds, and someone may come for the 1045, so we'll see if anyone comes through the door about two minutes from now, and just kind of lost in translation, but at any rate... We've got new services next week. Uh, no 4 p.m. service day. Uh, we're mo- doubling our morning services at both locations next week. So MOLU 8, 30, and 10 right here at 9 and 1045. And I, I want to talk a little bit this morning, uh, you know, to, to kind of uh, do this, to-, to-, to double our services, to-, to-, to change, you know, what's happening on a Sunday morning the way we are. Um, there is a-, a lot that has to go into that. Uh, there's-, there's people serving. There's all kinds of things that it takes to, to do this. And what I want us to do though is not to kind of, so there's logistics behind it and that's great and we can you know, sort of generally speaking, take care of those things. But I don't want us to just kind of next week make sure we've ironed out all the logistics. My hope, and so this is what I wanna talk about today is that we won't miss uh, what God would do in our hearts. One of the things I've noticed is that whenever you multiply services like this, there's different questions that come, uh, come along. And, uh, and, and so I hear these questions. Sometimes people ask me directly. Sometimes they say, I'm asking for a friend. And um, <laughs> so you, you may have had these questions and not felt either to ask me or, or maybe you have or maybe you just, you know, wanted to ask for a friend. And, and so some of the questions that always come up inevitably when we do something like this is, uh, you know, sometimes you have this question. Why, why do we have to add new services? Now, this is a pretty simple one, and it's an easy one. Now, if our goal... Is to just kind of go, you know what, Uh, look to your left, look to to your right, see all the people who are here. Uh, You look around and you say, you know what, I'm okay with maybe at least 60% of these people. I like them. I'm cool. Uh, 40%, not so much, but I'm willing to tolerate them. Uh, But by and large, I'm cool if what we keep doing is kind of gathering us crew here together on Sundays, you know. And, and, uh, you know, so if that's our goal and we go, you know what, do we have enough space for the exact people who are here together? Like, yeah, we probably do. Maybe, only just, some days, not quite, you know, but we probably could just, if we just go, that's it, no one comes in and no one goes out. And, and we go, you know, then, then sure, we don't need, we wouldn't have to add a, a new service. We'd go, that's cool, you know, just kind of, uh, just no more, but, and if you've been around here at all and if you're new here, you just need to notice our heartbeat. That is uh, the farthest thing from what we believe we're here to do. Uh, we believe we are, we are here. So every one of us, there was a point at which we were not here. And thankfully, someone made room for us. And so we believe that we want to always be making room for someone new. Uh, we want to make sure that we don't actually run out of space we, we believe that actually the way that, that, that the kingdom that is supposed to be like a, a mustard seed that starts small and it grows larger until it's the largest of all the bushes in the garden and people can take shade you know rest in its shade that's what we believe that God actually intends that we see more people that his heart is for every person to come to know him and to become a, a part of his people which is what the church is and so that's that's our heart style. so why do we have because that's what we're trying to do we want to make room for those who are are not here yet and not have to say sorry. We're full. Um, you know the the the, the next couple of questions. I'm like, oh no no, I get that. I get that. We've got to do something like that. But then there's these other two questions that always come. But what if we don't have enough people? You know, what if kind of we 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 you know we split the services and everybody goes to one. There's no one at the second one and, and or the first one or the first one's empty and everyone's like, man, that's too early to get up or or everyone goes, no, that's too late to start the day. Whatever. But if, what if there's just not enough people? And then you have a service and it's like, it's just kind of crickets in there and sad. And, you know, it's just kind of, ooh, you know, like nobody wants that, right? What if we don't have enough volunteers? What if we don't have enough people to serve? I mean, it takes a lot of people or maybe many, many of you serve. You may not be serving today, but you serve on a team and you help make this happen. What if we don't have enough volunteers? What if it all falls to just a few people? What if, what if actually there's just, there's just not enough people to even, you know, cover everything that we would need to do? What if there's not? Now, every time. God would ever call any of us to take a step beyond where we are. The most natural, normal human inclination is to ask questions like, What if, what if, what if? What if this isn't, and there's are usually often a variation on what if there is not enough? What if there's not enough people? What if there's not enough resources? What if I'm not enough? You know, what if God, I know he wants this for me. What if I don't have enough? Or, or whatever, I don't have what it takes. Or enough time. or enough. What if, what if there's not enough? These are the normal, natural, human questions we ask. But what I want us to think about is actually what are the questions God would want us to ask? Instead of even bothering trying to really answer these, what, are the, what if it's possible there's entirely different questions that he wants us to ask? Different questions that he actually is going... You know, you, you, you come to me with kind of what if it's not enough, but he's saying, here's the question I'd love you to ask. And so to do that, we're going to look at a story this morning. We looked at this particular passage our team night. and the, I just want us to reflect our, our whole church on this passage because it drives at some questions in, uh, in terms of what God wants for us in moments when, when he wants to do something, something great and involve us in it. So we're going to look at this story. It comes from 2 Kings chapter 4. And here's what happens. story of a, a woman a well-known story for many many of us, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Here's this woman, and I, I love that we don't even get to know her story, you know, and, and, and this is just, or, or her name rather, uh, she's a, a wife, her husband was a man, he's a prophet, Elisha knew him, he obviously tried to do what God wanted with his life, and, and this woman's like, look, he's died. And, and now he, there was a debt, and this creditor's coming, saying, look, you have no money, and you didn't leave it for me, and so I'm going to take your two boys, and they're going to be my, my slaves, and that's going to cover the debt. And this woman, she's in this desperate situation, desperate situation. You know, for her to lose her husband made her uh, already vulnerable and, and, and really at, at risk in her culture, and now to lose her sons is to leave her entirely defenseless, powerless, and, and, and without kind of means. She's in a desperate situation. Not only lose her sons, but basically everything. Elisha replies to her, look, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have at home? What do you have in your house? And she says, look, your servant has nothing there at all. I've got nothing, she says, except a small jar of olive oil. So it's like, she looks, thinks there's nothing there, reminds her, there is one thing, one small jar of olive oil. Elisha said to her, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Go collect all these jars. You're going to pour the oil. They're just going to keep filling, put them to the side. You're going to close the door so it's obvious this is God is going to do something great here. It says, so she left them. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And Elisha said to the woman, she went and told the man in Elisha, and he said, Look, so go, I want you to sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. Now, this story, it's an amazing picture, and a very visual one. Something that's probably why God put this here. It's this incredibly visual picture of what it looks like when you find yourself in a situation where you don't have enough not even close to enough for the nature of the challenge you face. And it's a very visual picture of how God wants to work in that moment. And it forces us to ask some really different questions. You know, to go if you're the if we look at this and then we think about okay, so here's here's us and like i said i don't want us just to start services i, I want us to church sure say you know what, what does god want to teach us what's he want to do in us what's he want to shape in our hearts our, our mindset our heart set what might god want to do and i think that one of the that, that starts with asking a different set of questions and we look at this set of questions this this passage we get a whole different set here's the first question that it kind of forces us to ask ourselves what are we desperate for If we want to see God work and move and do great things, it always starts with what are we desperate for? This woman went to God in total desperation because she faced this situation where her sons were going to be sold into slavery. And she knew the only, for for the nature of what is about to happen, my only hope at this point is that God will do something. So I'm going to Elisha, I'm going to the man of God, and it's going, God, I need God to do something. What can I do? Do you know what I think is a great question to ask ourselves uh, as a church uh, is to say, what are we desperate for? What consumes, like, if we're like, this is the stuff I'm crying out to God about, what are we desperate for? Do you know, throughout the scriptures, the slavery is so often uh, this picture of what sin is actually all about. You know, when we're told we were all in, in slavery and in bondage to sin. It's for freedom. Christ has set us free. Can I, can I tell you something? We, we may not find ourselves in the time and, you know, culture and era of history that this woman did in the way kind of, you know, debts and creditors and slaves and widows and all that work. But can I, can I t- ask you something this? You know what? Are we desperate? If, if we are, have been, you know, if, if, if we call Christ our Lord, our Savior, our King, we believe His name, His name above every other name, are we desperate to see people come to freedom in Him? Do we look around at the world and think, for every person we see, the absolute preeminent need in their life is for freedom in Christ? That they need to know His name is above every other name, and that if they did, they would know. Joy and peace and love like they've never known before. And forgiveness and grace and mercy. Do we, do we have a desperation in our hearts? Can I tell you what the father is desperate for? We know God is desperate to see. He desires his will is that none would ever perish, but that all would come to an understanding of faith. We know the picture of the father's heart towards people is the picture of the father of the prodigal son who stands on his porch and looks and waits for his lost son to return home. And we have to ask ourselves, are we desperate for that? Well, the best question we could ask ourselves today is, am I desperate to see, is there a, you know, this woman, we can all resonate with what she would have felt as a a mother, as a widow, as all the things in this situation. Do we feel that same compelling desperation to see people around us come to freedom in, in Christ, to know him? Do we think church is just a nice thing? And that would be good if somebody went to church. That might be good. Or do we see it as an absolute, this is, man, we just are desperate to see people come to know Christ. You know, there's a, a guy I, I uh, used to see at a restaurant, uh, and, and I would see him whenever I'd go there, and I'd, I'd chat with him. And when I first met him, he got to know I was a pastor, and, and he had some, you know, really interesting questions about faith and the Christian faith and different things. And so I'd get in these conversations with him, and I'd, I'd talk to him about faith when I was there. And um, and so we, I, I, and so I started just praying for him and I was praying that, you know, that, that God would do something in his life, that he'd come to know God and I'd just invite him, you know. And this, it's a real simple way if you want to, you know, just talk to people and then pray for them and then invite them. And so I'd start inviting him to church. I'm like, you just got to come. You just, why don't, why don't you come? Come along, come visit our church. I just want to come uh, visit it. And, uh, and, and, I was praying, and, and I was praying for a while and I'd invite him and then after a while I, I kind of just stopped. I don't know why. I just kind of, you know, when you you kind of do that for a while, but it's like maybe you lose that that you know perseverance on it, thinking nothing's happening. But it, you know, for whatever reason, unfortunately. I, I, and then this week I was there, and uh, and I saw him again, and I, as I do. And I was uh, chatting with him, and I and I we had just some small talk. We were talking about the NBA, and um, I don't know if you know this, but one of my, you know, the Apostle Paul says we should be all things to all people, and so. <laughs> Over the last few years i've tried to really get to know the mba because i know there are people uh who like to talk about that and so it doesn't interest me per- personally but i, I want to be all things to all people and so i i do these things to- just to-, to to serve jesus and so so we're chatting about mba and all that kind of thing we're chatting and, and, and i really just enjoy this guy you know so we are chatting it was great and then that towards the end of of the meal he was bringing something at the very end and i just said to him i said hey when because I, I just kind of was reminded, you know what? I'm not. I, I, I was like, hey, when are you gonna come? Uh, when are you gonna when are you gonna come to church? And and he and he actually told me, and, and it kind of really surprised me. He's like, actually, I did come uh, not that long ago. He's like, I just decided to come, but I, I ended up just staying in the cafe. And I and I just thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? Here I am. I kind of, you know, lost or, or gave and and but it just reminded me, like, I never want to lose that and just to always stay. Do you know one of the things I always. I try to and want to in my own life is to stay desperate, just inviting people to come to the gathering of God's people, come to church on a Sunday. And, and here's why I do that, because I just believe that people sometimes can experience God much better than I can explain God. That I actually, and so I don't know if you feel that desperation in your own life, but to go, you know, actually, if I can just bring people to sometimes and... And, and, and I'm not saying every time somebody's going to walk out, but actually I just believe that it, it, people can sometimes experience better than I can explain it. That There is something unique when two or three are gathered that somehow Jesus is present in a different way. That God inhabits the praises of his people. There's something different when we gather. And, and one of my always just heart's cries is to want to just bring people in. Let them experience it. Because we can explain sometimes all we want, but sometimes you just reach the end of what you can explain. And you're like, I just, you just need to experience this. You need to experience what a community of people who are trying to live out of the power of the spirit of God in their lives feels like. And, and so, but the bottom line is, we got to ask ourselves, if we, if we come to kind of, you know, hey, does it matter, do we need to do two services? Do we have enough people to do? What are we desperate for? Are we desperate to see people encounter the risen Christ in our midst? You know, the, the, the second question that we all also have to ask, and this, this passage provokes us, is not the question, do we have enough? But the question that we're forced to encourage to ask here is not, do we have enough? It's, what do you have? What do you have? You know, you think about this woman, and Elisha's like, you know, how can I help? What do you have? What do you have? God's starting point for doing something great is almost always, what do you have? And Elijah says, what do you have? And what's her reaction? Our starting point is also just almost always just like this woman. Nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. She's like, what do you have at home? Nothing. And I'm like, well, except one small jar of olive oil. But that jar of olive oil, you can understand why she overlooked it. Because that little jar of olive oil in proportion to the needs she faced, looked like nothing. I got this much olive oil and I got a river of debt. It's just not even, it feels like nothing. You know, don't ever miss this and let's not ever miss this as a church. God always wants to work with what we have. We always want to say, it feels like it's not enough. But God is like, you just, I'm not asking you to have enough. I'm asking you to bring what you have. Those first couple questions, do we have enough people? Do we have enough volunteers? We definitely don't have enough volunteers. Do we have enough? No, of course not. But if we waited till we had enough, we would never do anything as a church. I can tell you that right now. Our dream and our goal is not let's wait till we have enough and then do something. God wants to involve us in the process and he says to us, not what, do you have enough. He says, what do you have? We said well here's here's what we got you know what we're a community of you know we're, we're we just got a few you know 100 people in this community that has tens of thousands of people that we want to see get to come to freedom that we want to be desperate to see come to know christ it can seem like yeah our our kind of few hundred people feel so small and compared to need. god doesn't say we got to have enough he just says what do you have will you bring it to me you know and not only does he say what do you have here's another question ask, What do I have? And every one of us, no matter how tempted we are to say, "I don't have anything." There's nothing. You know, I can't. I can't sing like some of the people up here. I can't even be friendly like some of the people out there. I can't. I can't. I can't lift. You know, something. I can't. I can't. You know, but whatever. We always can say, "Here's what I don't have. I don't have enough time." No. Do, what do you have? You have you. You know. Well, we bring it. But and not only what do we have, but this. What do we expect? You know, I think we should be asking, what do we uh, expect when we, you know, kind of add another service? What do we expect? Do we expect and just think, you know what, hopefully then, once we, we kind of get, get this thing going, that, that will cover the bases, that will, that will make sure we don't, you know, kind of violate duty of care somewhere, you know. This is what we expect. Hopefully we can get her done, you know. Or do we expect God to do something great? You know, this this woman gets asked this question from Elisha. Uh, You know, okay, that's what you have? Now here's what I want you to do. You're going to go collect jars. And he gives her this instruction, don't collect just a few. Don't. God is going to fill them. And he tells her, you're going to pour and the oil is just going to keep on pouring. You're going to fill them up and put them to the side. So you're going to bring what you have. And this is what God's going to do with it. But there's this like, this little piece of this thing. You are going to collect the jars. You're going to be a part of this. You know, God is going to use you. He's going to do something through you. But something about the nature of what he does is going to be in proportion to what you bring. To what you expect. To what you kind of... What do you believe God's gonna do here? And so He says to her, "Don't collect just a few." It's like, like just, just, you know, imagine. And I'm sure the conversations are longer than just a little, some of those, you know, summary. But you know, like, you could just imagine Elisha's heart to be like, "Man, I know what God's gonna do." So I'm telling you, don't aim small here. Don't just expect it'll be just enough. Don't do the math and think if we just collected this many, then I can pay my debts and we'll all be all right. He's like. Don't collect just a few. Because what you sort of expect God to do is going to be a huge part of this thing. You know, what do, what do we expect? Can I tell you one thing? I think all of us, when it, if, if you're part of this church, you're part of this church, one of the things we have to expect is, is just to expect so much more out of, uh, out of what, a, you know, church is. Out of what a Sunday gathering of God's people can be. Sometimes we just expect that's it. We go or we do it or we, we're going to make sure we go through. Do we expect and know God will be at work in our midst? We expect that as we create room and space, there will be people whose lives can be changed and God will do wonderful things in our midst. What do we expect? You know, the, and here's the, the other question that I think gets raised by this. You know, so we expect for this. But here's, I reckon, one of the most challenging little bits Uh, of this story that that it's easy on this side of the story to overlook but this question of will we keep pouring will you start pouring that the 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 miraculous work of God the flow of what God is doing here happens as she is pouring she's created the space the sons they're getting jars They're they're creating room for the oil to go in. And as long as they've got room and as long as they created that space, the oil keeps on flowing. But one of the real challenging moments I reckon must have been this woman standing in a room, the doors closed, her and her sons, jars everywhere, and she holds the last tiny bit of olive oil she has. This is all. I've got. Now, what do we know about olive oil? One of the things that, that you know, last night actually, and, and just want to say this to impress you, I made, I made uh, my own pesto sauce. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And went to great lengths to draw it out of you. And so I made this. I, I didn't, before last night, I didn't know you could make pesto. I thought it grew in jars. Like, I just thought, that's, that's. I have no idea what's in there. I have no idea where it comes from. But, man, that's tasty. I really like that stuff. So, got a recipe and made it. Now, this particular recipe I used, it had a lot of olive oil in it. And so, it was delicious. And But I would made it. I blended all the stuff up. I can't tell you it's my secret recipe now. And, um. <laughs> But the one ingredient, I'll tell you, was the olive oil, and there was a lot of it in it, and so it was real saucy to go over uh, the, the, the penne that I made. And, um, and so, anyway, and, and so, uh, and it, what, the, the penne that, actually, Lisa did make the noodles. I need to make sure that's clear, and um, I can only focus one thing at a time, and um. Anyway, I had to figure out how to get this sauce on there. And I'm like, okay, what should I do? So I got this all in here. I got these here. Maybe I should put this sauce into something, put it on the table. Should I just dump it in? Should I put those in here? And what am I thinking the whole time? Oh, no, no, no. I need to just get the noodles in it as fast as possible. Because if I start pouring this into something, every time I pour it, I'm going to have a little bit less, right? Now I went through all this work to make possibly the most delicious pesto ever. I don't want to waste a bit of it. Because what do you know about olive oil? You pour it from one jar to the next, you always lose a little bit in the pouring, don't you? There's just a little bit that's going to be stuck to the sides. There's just a little bit that's going to be on the bottom. The more you pour it, the less you have. And that's the way the world works. That's the way the natural order of things is. If you take it and you pour it, you're going to have a little bit less than when you started. And you imagine this woman looking at all these empty jars. She doesn't know. Like, we all know. And so we're like, yeah, well, they're all just going to fill. Like, come on. You know, ye of little faith, just pour, you know? <laughs> imagine you're standing there and God's saying to you, no, 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 I I get it. It looks like impossible. It looks like, yep, you're going to lose the tiny bit you had. But trust me, this the the amazing thing we have to understand when we get desperate for the things God's desperate for when we're willing to bring to him the little bit we have when we're when we come with an expectation of what he's going to do the, the 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 thing that has to happen and that has to shift is we actually have to go you know what everything in my instincts tells me the more i pour the more i give the more i pour out of myself the more i serve the more i the more i go the more that goes out of me we think the less there will be for me Because that's how it works in the world. But in the kingdom of God, the more you pour out, the more there is. You know, Paul at the end of his life in 2 Timothy, he's writing his last letter. He's talking about how he's towards the end of his life. And he says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. It was like his picture of his life was I'm pouring out myself. My concern for others. My love for others. My serving God in every which way I can. I'm pouring myself out. And that's what we are called to do as Christ followers is to pour ourselves out. Everything's backwards in the kingdom. We think we want more. We think we should hold on. But in the kingdom, it's just the opposite. That you find more as you're pouring. Everything in the the way God works is backwards. You know, you want to find your life, lose it. You want to be the greatest, go down and become the servant of all. You want to be like a big shot and mature in the kingdom? You better become like a child. Everything flips on its head. And, and I, I say that because I just want you to know this. If you ever find yourself thinking, but God, if I do this, if I serve there, if I give this time, all right, just to understand this. And When you are responding to what God has called you to do, there will always be enough. You may feel like as you pour, there will be less. When you are a part of what God is doing, there will always be more. It's backwards. And this question that we have to ask ourselves is we say, you know what, why do we have to do more services? You know, or do we even have enough people or do we have enough people to serve? Like, why do we have to? Because our heart is God's heart. Maybe it won't work, but boy, we ought to be desperate to say, let's try whatever we can <laughs> because we want to see people come to know Him. Do we we have enough? No, we don't have enough. Of course we don't have enough. But God will always position us right on the edge of what we do not have enough for. And say, will you trust me and will you pour yourselves out in my service? And as we pour, we trust that he can do something through us. That he can take us and make it, he can make it more than enough. You know, I want to encourage you as we... uh, you know, are going to, you know, move to a couple services. And I know it seems like such a just sort of logistical thing, or it could be about times of day or how many people it takes to do this or that. And I know there's all these things that could, if we don't uh, don't keep our eyes in the right place, it could become about a lot of things that it's really not. But what I want to encourage us as a church is let's not miss this moment and let's remind ourselves, say, Lord, what are we desperate for? Lord, would you help us to be desperate for the things you're desperate for? Help us to have your heart. And, Lord, would you help us to see what we have? Would you help me to see what I have? Because, Lord, I want to expect you're going to do some great things, and I want to be part of that. And I want to be willing to pour. I want to be willing to pour out. I, and maybe I feel like it's all I've got, but, Lord, I'll, I'll pour it out if you ask me to. And as we do that, what we can trust is that God will do something. God will do something great in our midst. Does that mean, and, and and I don't want you to hear me wrong on this. Yeah, hey, if we just all do that, and if we all, then you know what, that we'll have, you know, within, you know, a month, we'll have two services that look exactly like this. And and we won't be able to add enough services. And we'll just keep adding jars. In fact, let's not do two services next week. Why limit it? Let's, let's not gather just a few. Let's start six services next week. Let's just, my point is not even to say what any of this will turn into or what can happen. You know, Mother Teresa has this great prayer. She said, I don't pray that God would make me successful. I pray he'd make me faithful. And and I want you to know all these things. It's just about saying, God, would you help us to be faithful? Help help us to have a heart for what you have a heart for. Help us to see what we have and to be willing to bring that and pour that in your service. And, Lord, we will trust whatever happens. We'll trust that it's our little bit and it's not enough. But we're going to trust that as we pour it out, as we bring it to you, you will make it more than enough. That, God, you will do that which you have purposed and desire. Can we do that together? You know, I want to encourage you to reflect on three things. I'm going to invite the team up, and, uh, and, and we're going to respond in just a moment. And, uh, but there's three questions I want to encourage you just to think about for a moment. And, and the first question is this, you know, uh, as you look, would you pray for those who are not here yet? And if that's not a regular practice, would you start that? If that is a regular practice, would you continue that? Uh, would you? And, and here maybe your starting point is just to go, you know what, actually, I don't think that way or I, I don't see people that way. But maybe just to pray today, God, would you give me a heart for those who are not here yet? Would you give me a heart for those who don't know you? Would you help me to see the people around me, wherever you are, with your eyes? Because there's no one around you that God does not look at and say, man, I, I just want to bring them home. I want them to... I want them to know me. I want them to know the life I have for them. I want them to know Christ and His love and His grace and forgiveness and mercy. And pray that God would give you that heart and those eyes for them. You know, would you consider this? Would you consider joining the team? If you're not, if you're on a team already, can I just here's my encouragement to you don't go into this season thinking about what does this mean do i have enough enough time or geez why do i ha- have to now do this or do that or that's inconvenient can can i encourage you just and, and i know it's the heart of of our team so i know i'm i'm just kind of preaching to the choir but to go into this not just thinking with those eyes of you know what this is why i serve because i'm a part of seeing i'm part of creating space like for that guy you know that that someone else is inviting this week as well so that they'll come and they'll feel welcome enough to step even beyond the cafe and right in and amongst it. And I'm gonna create a space for the kids who aren't here yet. And I'm gonna make sure I'm desperate for our kids to know Christ and grow in Christ and grow up in him. I'm, you, would you, you know, would you consider joining a team? You know, maybe like, I don't know, I don't, what does that mean my Maybe just for the next month for November as we launch into this, be a part of bringing your oil into that you can on, on your chairs is the next step card if you're like you know what i'm not on a team but I'm, I'm willing to join a team or even just for this month we'll help you find a space where where we promise we won't ask you to do something that you can't do we've all got different capacities or abilities we'll help you find a space i guarantee there's a space where where you can be a part of making this so you can fill out one of those cards you can always do that on the app you can drop those cards at the what's on desk but you know what could happen if every one of us just went you know what what do i have I can bring me. I can be available. I can just say this, I'm here and I'm willing to pour myself out as part of this. And the last thing, to expect God to do more. Let's pray. We're going to ask in a moment that God would work in our hearts that we would just be a people, we'd be a church, we'd be a community that always expects more, that we don't just think what's the bare minimum and what will get things done or, or you know, this is good and we're doing what we can't, but we expect God to do great things in our midst. We expect that people's hearts and lives can change and we expect that they can meet him and encounter him. We expect, you know, the gathering of his church every Sunday to be more than just kind of getting to see some people we know or even a place that feels good for us, but we expect this is a place where God is at work in the lives of people. Where his love, grace, and mercy are found. Would you stand up where you are? And we're gonna pray. And then we're just gonna declare one more time this morning that there is no other name because what stands behind this at every level is we know there is no other name Jesus is Lord. We we are desperate to see people come to know him and to know the life that is found in him alone. Would you bow with me? Maybe open your hands. I wanna just pray for our church as we get ready for this next season, the next step ahead, and just desiring to get our hearts and our minds in tune with what God has for us. If you wanna be part of that, just open your hands in front of you. Lord, in this moment, just ask that, Lord, you would be pouring something into us, that you'd be pouring your heart into us, you'd be pouring your vision into us, that we would see the people around us the way you see them, that we'd have hearts that desire to, to be part of seeing people come to know you, that we'd have hearts that are expected to believe people can meet you, that lives can change, and Lord, you are still at work today as you were back in this story. Lord, I pray that you'd pour into us Lord, fresh eyes to see where we can be a part of what you're doing, Lord, that help us the things that we've overlooked or thought we've had nothing, that we'd be able to see those things. And Lord, we'd be willing to bring them and say, all right, Lord, it may not feel like much, but it's what I have and i put it in your hands. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a people who pour out, who think not what can we hold on to, but Lord, who are always willing to pour out. And that, Lord, as we pour out, we might see you do amazing things. You might change our hearts, you might change our lives and that, Lord, we might get the joy and privilege of seeing you do something amazing in this world. So, Lord, we recognize it's not something we can do on our own. We can't kind of just try harder or do more, Lord. It's something you're gonna have to do in our midst. So we pray that we would do our part, and, Lord, we trust you to do your part. We know that Jesus, yours is the name that's above every other name. May it be high and lifted up in this place, Lord. A new season in a fresh way in Jesus name and everybody agree? said amen let's lift him up in song can I just encourage you remind you to just focus on him he's not just hey Jesus one name above or one name amongst other names his name is above every name we don't want people just to know Jesus who we think that'd be nice or a slight upgrade on their life we believe his is the name above every other name Every person, everywhere, we want to come to know the glorious joy of knowing that name. Let's celebrate it. Let's be reminded this morning. This is who he is.